0: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.
0: This is Histories of the Unexpected, he's the famous historical adventurer Dr Sam Willis and he's Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History
1: at Plymouth University. He is Professor James Daybell and we are your hosts for Histories of the Unexpected. Each week we discuss a surprising subject oozing with unexpected historical
0: significance and this week it's Christmas, which is all about meat pies, the invention and theft of christmas oh and the british empire
1: it's not it's all about crab racing and ravens and moss and time travel (laughs) it's going to be a ridiculous episode (laughs) um if you like what you hear please leave us a review on itunes subscribe to the podcast and tell all of your friends we're on twitter you can follow me at dr
0: sam willis and you can follow me at james daybell and you can follow histories of the unexpected at Unexpected podcast, spelt PDCST. We are proud to be part of the excellent History Hit Network, home of Dan Snow's History Hit and other great shows coming soon. And you can find out more about what we've got planned in the forthcoming months show notes,
1: video clips, photos of everything we discuss, and much, much more at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special edition of Histories of the Unexpected, where we will be audio-goodling through history, exploring the history of things that you didn't even know had a significant story to tell, like the card, the cake, the tree, or stockings, because yes, this is a Christmas special edition.
0: And we'll be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how simply everything has a history, and crucially, how those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, that the history of Holly was in fact all about poison, nothing says Christmas like poison, or that the history of ivy was all to do with heritage and the passage of time. And crumbling walls. And crumbling walls. That's what makes me think about it. The man sitting opposite me is
1: the Santa of historical scepticism. It's Professor James Daybell. And the man sitting opposite me is the Charles Dickens of Christmas past. <laughs> Together, we will be piloting you on this uncharted and frankly highly dangerous flight into the past. Each week, one of us takes the lead. And this week, it's James's turn. He's very excited because he gets <laughs> to talk about all sorts love of ridiculous Christmas, Christmas traditions. <laughs> OK, so it's Christmas. So where do we start? Um... We start probably with uh, ritual, don't you? Don't we? Um, with this kind of whole business of gift exchange, it's all a bit curious. I think really? I, I'm
0: not. I, I, Christmas is all about economics. I'm not entirely. It's all convinced. about capitalism. About and Christmas. wealth. You're not convinced by oh, you screwed you. Yeah. You, are you not a Christmas fan?
1: I well, yeah, bits of it I like. Um, I find it all quite bewildering, and I find I find um, I don't like doing things if I don't understand why I'm doing them. Right, I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to to. Um... Do you control Christmas? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't Christmas control Christmas. in I your just, house. I just don't know. It's really interesting when you have kind of different family traditions as well. I won't go into details, but my wife's family have distant, different yes. traditions to mine, and and they don't question why they do what they do, no, and we no, have it's... different traditions. We don't question why we do what we do, even if it's pointless and stupid. <laughs> I, I don't mind it being stupid because no, it's entertaining. It's, it's... but if it's. You know, if it's a waste of money and a waste of time, that gets slightly irksome.
0: It's those rituals that become embedded in your life. You're so used to them. I mean, my wife would have us put the Christmas tree up on Christmas Eve, mm. whereas I would have the Christmas tree up on the 1st of December. Not quite
1: right. We um, Ours go up very, very early. Yes. Have
0: you tried changing it? Uh Well, normally I say that we'll have... we We normally have it early. This year, we're going to have it sort of midway through December, I think. So okay. around, around the 16th. So you're winning slowly. Win, well, winning, winning slowly. We've never had the tree up on Christmas Eve and decorated on Christmas Eve. But I think that would be a lovely tradition. I am an absolute sucker for Christmas. I love Christmas. Mm. I start buying Christmas presents in late summer. Mm. So I'm already done. Beginning <laughs> of December, and I am already shopped entirely I haven't got for any. Christmas. Well, I mean,
1: I think there is so much interesting stuff going on with Christmas yeah. that it's... To do an unexpected podcast on it is, in some respects, it's it's reasonably challenging because you've got to avoid obvious things yeah. like um, presents. And carols, and take it in a cards, different in a different direction. Trees. But at the same time, because there are so many different aspects of Christmas, you can fly all over the place. Yeah. Where are you going to go with it?
0: Well, one of the things we haven't talked about is the the you know the Christian foundation of Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, this is after all to celebrate the birth of of Christ, and I think what you know that's absolutely central to it. And I think what's interesting is how. That you know, is about the dating of Christmas. Why the 25th? A lot of this was picking up on pagan festivals that were happening around the, this Christmas time. Advent, you know, the 12 day the, the period going up and the 12 days after Christmas, you know, which we see coming into being around 570, if I'm not mistaken. 5.67, uh, mm. the Council of Tours, the church, decides that this is going to be the important dating of Christmas. We look at how Christmas has been celebrated across time. So the medieval version of Christmas, which is really a sort of round of raucous you know, yeah. drunkenness, um, the way in which that's transformed in the Victorian period. I mean, not necessarily the reinvention, but certainly the re-representation of Christmas, and so I'll say a little bit about that and um, Dickens. Well, I think the point is 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 that even though it's the same, we
1: come to it every year, and a lot of our routines and rituals and traditions are the same. That it it does it is a it is a slowly changing juggernaut. It is going yep. to change, and yep. and the way we celebrate Christmas now it's not going to be the same way we celebrate it in, no. in 10 years time I'm, no. I'm because of my th- slight thing with traditions I'm a, I'm a great one for inventing traditions oh. and as, as a rule I usually invent a new tradition so the one we have was many years ago I lived in, in a house with a friend of mine called Dan and um, we couldn't afford Christmas decorations so we made them and we didn't, we're not in a crafty way, not not in a kind of... <laughs> Screwed up newspaper, <laughs> yeah, painted... Like in, painted in, a, in a hilariously <laughs> bad way. Um, and we made them out of... Uh, I made a really cool person out of satsuma peel and matchsticks. <laughs> <laughs> and um and we didn't have a we didn't have a star an angel and Angel Across that tree. It. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um well we I I definitely have this, which is um a a little parachuting man toy. Okay, so it's a it's a little, a I little know exactly guy, the ones. arms up yes, in the air yes. and he we found him by a bin and um we rescued this triumphant parachuting man and he sat across the top of the tree. And so every year I now make a terrible <laughs> Christmas decoration. <laughs> and I would I would actually be much happier if all of our decorations were made. Liberties
0: eat your heart out. And I, I a try- homemade tangerine but, man yeah, yeah. with parachutes. Well, I
1: tried to explain it to a friend of mine and she came round with a kind of an exquisitely made sort of tinsel sprayed and glued I don't know it was a pine cone or something it was it was done in a craft workshop and and uh, completely missed the point is that you basically have to make it out of rubbish or whatever you have lying around <laughs> my wife doesn't like this because by the end of Christmas you put the whole thing is you put a new Christmas decoration on your tree every day throughout Christmas so, so the end of it the tree looked like a bin <laughs> It, it looked It, it looked like... It, um, trash Christmas tree. Trash Christmas tree. And it was really cool because I remember um, every day it was a different thing. I had a little project, but it did look like a... You've personalised Christmas, which is brilliant because... It did look like the wind had blown nonsense and filth through my house and it had been caught in the spider web of my Christmas tree. And what do your children think of that? Um, the, the family, what does the family think? Well... My daughter doesn't. She 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 comes from this sort of. We well, only do some nice coloring or make something yes. good. And whereas my son, he he's all over it. You know, right? Yeah, he gets it. He'll just like put a he'll he'll put a tennis ball in the tree. Go <laughs> anywhere.
0: How's that? I mean, I think this is I think this is great because I think one of the things that's happened is you know over the last hundred years or so, Christmas has become so commercialized. You know, we talked about that earlier on. I think that the proper message of Christmas has really become lost and diluted, and people are it really is for most people or for many people nowadays you know something that it's it's a cultural celebration yeah. rather than a rather than an innately religious but it is personal everyone does it slightly differently yeah. and that comes back to the yeah. point we we're making there is there is a, a really a really individual aspect of it yeah and so it's about rich it's about the history of ritual yeah. and how that, how that's changed so i'm going to start with meat pies mm-hmm. And I've got here capacity. a capacity, well, a, a sort of a minced pie. Oh right. I have here, if I can find my image of it. Here we are. This is a early seventeenth century. That's cool. Minced pie recipe from the National Archives. It is minced, spelled M I N S T. Yes. Spelling was completely unfixed. What date is this? Uh, at this period, this is about sixteen forties. That's so cool. So it's a it's take a take half a
1: what half a
0: take half a peck of a the peck. finest flour. What's a full peck? A full, pe- <laughs> like, a, a full fingers, like a yes, yes peck, yeah, like a little fingers. a little peck of, of of a peck is a is a measurement of it. It's not it's not like a pinch. A peck is a, it's a measurement, mm-hmm. uh, and it's about two gallons. So we're looking at a gallon of flour here, oh. two pounds of sugar, two pounds of butter, a loin of fat mutton with a little of a leg of veal. To mince with it two uh, pounds of raisins of the sun and currants and cloves, mace, nutmegs, one ounce. So basically, this is a meat pie. For Christmas, Hmm. uh, which sort of merges in. And later on, it talks about spicing it and and adding butter and this. When the pies are filled, slice dates and stick in the top. And when you set them into the oven, wash them over with the yolks of eggs and pin them up in papers. So what you would have had is like, imagine like a big pork pie. Yeah. You know, it was nothing to do with the sort of mince pie that we have from Mister Kickling today. But I think it's about Christmas. Is historically has always been a time of feasting and celebration. And you know, think of your think of your Christmas Carol, and think of the ghost of Christmas Present and the description of the amazing wealth, just bountifulness. And I've got a, if I may, you a little extract from uh, Dickens's Christmas Carol. And Christmas Carol is one of my favourite christmas books i read it religiously every Mm. year and and i have it on i have it on my ipod as well the poulterers' shops were still half open and the fruiterers were radiant in their glory there were great round pot-bellied baskets of chestnuts shaped like the waistcoats of jolly old gentlemen lolling at the doors and tumbling out into the street in their apoplectic opulence. There were ruddy, brown-faced, broad-girthed Spanish friars and winking from their shells in wanton slyness at the girls as they went by and glanced demurely at the hung-up mistletoe. There were pears and apples clustered high in blooming pyramids. There were bunches of grapes made in the shopkeeper's benevolence to dangle from the conspicuous hooks that people's mouths might water gratis as they passed. There were piles of filberts, mossy and brown, recalling in their fragrance ancient walks among the woods and pleasant shufflings ankle deep through withered leaves there were norfolk biffins squab and swarthy setting off the yellow of the oranges and lemons and in the great compactness of their juicy persons urgently entreating and beseeching to be carried home in paper bags and eaten after dinner and so it goes on i mean Dickens is such a wonderful. I mean, he's a he's a flatulent prose stylist. You know, mm. he's sort of overstuffed himself. I mean, it's so very Christmassy, so descriptive, <laughs> but but incredibly, incredibly descriptive. So so Christmas is all about feasting and meat pies mm. and uh, pecks. Isn't it wonderful when people actually can.
1: Use language to sort of encapsulate Christmas, and, and, yep. and that's exactly what Dickens has done there. I mean, yep. he's—it's it, like he was put on this earth to write about Christmas. Yes, like you were saying, a lot of a lot of his work is so so overstuffed and wonderful, and and, and so descriptive, and it, it feels so rich and and kind of joyous yep. and celebratory.
0: Yeah. Um, Where are you going to go with Christmas now?
1: Oh, I'm going all over the shop. <laughs> <laughs> my um, my grandfather was in the navy, he died recently, um and. In the fifties, after the Second World War, he was stationed on Christmas Island, hmm. and he used to tell us the stories. Of, he was there when they were when they were um, testing out the hydrogen bomb hmm. um, in the fifties, and. I'm amazed he survived as long as he did. It was clear past 90. But maybe that was the radiation which actually kept him going. And um, they were all given, they were given sunglasses and told to look in the other direction. That was the only, the, the only protection they were given for a nuclear test. Nothing says Christmas like radiation poisoning. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> um, anyway, this, um, for me, Christmas Island always sounded like a magical place. And I couldn't believe anywhere was actually called Christmas Island. I've never been to it, but I really want to go. I was quite close to it last week I was in Singapore. Right. It's not, right. far, not far away. And they used to race crabs. One of the things they used to do in the Navy was race crabs because they're these crazy indigenous land crabs at Christmas Island. They're all over the place. And the way to race crabs is you you don't... they Because they go in unpredictable directions, you draw a circle and then you put your crabs in the circle and it's the first to break the circle. And they don't fight. Um, they don't I, don't they fight probably do other. fight, yes. yeah. But anyway, I've always wanted to go crab racing Christmas Island. So my point about all of this is, when do you think Christmas Island was discovered?
0: Well, I have no idea. Have a guess. Uh, well, Christmas Day. Christmas Day. <laughs> yes, well okay. done, James. Okay. Let's try that okay. again, James. Okay. When do you think Christmas Island was discovered? Well, <laughs> if I think about it really logically, would it have been Christmas Day? Well I, I was pitching for a year, and was oh, okay. it not a date. <laughs> well, no, um, so, so Christmas Day. Christmas
1: Christmas Day. On Christmas Day um, um, and the year is really interesting. It was sixteen forty-three, which which is about I don't know eighty years. Who discovered it? Um, William Miners who was a captain of an east india company ship. Ah. I was very surprised at the early date of that. So um I've got another one for you. Easter island. Easter day? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh that was uh, discovered by a ja- a, a um Jap Rogaveen, um a dutch sailor in 1722. Similar theme James you ready. Yep. Wit Sunday islands. Oh now now that's different. Wit Wit Sunday? No. no. No, you no. fell into my trap. <laughs> So Thank you. <laughs> this is all to do with knowing what the date is and knowing what the time is, so it's all very well celebrating Christmas Day, but do we actually know when it is? Because the Sunday Islands, uh, Cook passed in the 1770s, named them on what he thought was Sunday, and it wasn't Sunday. it was the day after, because he had passed the international date line. Brilliant. Which, for those of you who don't know anything about it, was something that um, was actually agreed in the 1880s, but there's a problem here. So the best way of understanding the problem is if you read Round the world in 80 days Jules Verne yep love it where um phileas fogg has to go around he has a bet doesn't he he has to get round around the world and he comes back in london and he thinks that he is a day too late yeah he thinks that he's um he's missed, missed the the challenge let's get back to his club for a 81 bet. days But he hasn't because he forgot to. Because he went, he went from west to east, and that meant that he didn't. You have to adjust your clock because you are going back in time as you're going towards the sun all the time. And Cook didn't realise this either, and he didn't realise he'd actually gained a day. Now there's an official. This was officially decided in the 1880s with the international date line, and it goes down 180 degrees longitude, and it's not completely straight interestingly Mm. it has to wiggle around a couple of islands in the Pacific and there's a gap between Samoa and American Samoa and in those places you are you witness the same sunrise Mm. but it is on a different day
0: so, two Christmases. You can
1: have two Christmases. And the um, they're, they're not the same island, but you can travel between them. And it, it, you can easily travel within a day between these islands, either side of the date line. And you can have two Christmases, mm. uh, which I really want to do. I, I, don't, I want to be able to do that. It's, 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 a, it's a bit like time travel. Which, yes. <laughs> um, which, is, which I think is very exciting. So, having one Christmas is quite boring. That's my unexpected yeah, take on and, it. And,
0: and so, two Christmases is what you... Yeah, that's, the, that's yeah. the way ahead. You've got to live in the Pacific. Excellent. Okay, we'll move. Okay. Excellent. Right. I'm going to bring us back to Dickens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's going to be this thread of traditional Christmas going through. And I think I will then tear you away. And from then you'll that. tear me away from it by talking about nuclear holocaust or something. Uh, ravens. Ravens. Oh, good. Good. Great. I'm going to talk about um, Queen Victoria's Christmas Okay. Uh, and Christmas giving. But I want to do that through thinking about how Christmas has changed or the celebration of Christmas has changed over time. And I talked about earlier on about the kind of medieval Christmas that you might have and the, the traditions associated with that that are often connected to a lot of feasting, a lot of drinking, a lot of carousing. And then what happens in the Victorian period, particularly influenced by the works of Dickens and his his Christmas stories. And he produced, you know, a lot of Christmas stories, not just Christmas Carol, but a lot of other Christmas books. And, and you can get hold of them very, very cheaply. And one of my favourite is The Christmas... $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Christmas chapters in Pickwick Papers. Hmm. And again, that's another ritual. At Christmas, I have this little sort of clutch of books. Four or five books. They're all here. Oh, um, yes. Tolkien, Wind in the Willows, Laurie Lees. Uh, yeah, um... Dylan Thomas A Child's Christmas in Wales and, I, and I, I, I I read them all and I keep them in a special place in my in my study and I bring them out early December and I and I I read them each night to get me into the the spirit of it and I wanted to just read a tiny little bit from the Pickwick papers which is absolutely one of my favorites and the Pickwicks are off on their on their travels and it's punctuated by a description of of Christmas was close at hand Numerous indeed are the hearts to which Christmas brings a brief season of happiness and enjoyment, how many families whose members have been dispersed and scattered far and wide in the restless struggles of light, are then reunited and meet once again in that happy state of companionship and mutual goodwill which is a source of such pure and unalloyed delight and one so incompatible with the cares and sorrows of the world that the religious belief of the most civilised nations and the rude traditions of the roughest savages alike number it among the first joys of a future condition of existence provided for the best and happy How many old recollections and how many dormant sympathies does Christmas time awaken? So what we've got is this sort of reinvention of Christmas or, or not necessarily reinvention, but a sort of reinterpretation of Christmas. And I think what you've got at the heart of the Dickens Christmas is this sort of humanitarian message. It's about Christianity. Again, it's about family and a lot of the ideas that we have. Coming out of Christmas today, all come back to to Dickens, and we can see that in something like Christmas Carol mm. as well. And the Victorians—it's amazing all, how influential he was, isn't absolutely, it? Absolutely. The the term "Merry Christmas," you know, started being used. Also, some of the images that we have in in Dickens—I'll show you here—some of the the sort of the early images are so charismatic, so iconic. Let's have a look. See if I can find. And were they? These. Were they-
1: Innovative images, or, yes. or, or rather than a kind of a visual writing down of a sort of yes. existing visual yes. culture.
0: Yes. So here we are. We've got the depiction of this is the ghost of Christmas Present uh, and Scrooge here. So we've got a little what's what's like a sort of um, little sketch, and then it, and then it's coloured in, and you notice that Christmas Present is portrayed in in green. Yeah, you know, so Father Christmas would have been in green, but you've got the opulence here. There's a lot going on in that picture. Isn't it's there. an awful lot while. going on. The whole holding... he's in a sort of green dressing gown, open to the navel, <laughs> with 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 white fur, holding a, a torch.
1: What's he got on his chest?
0: I can't quite see hair. Oh, it is chest It's, hair. a, it's a hairy chest. I mean,
1: he's a bit of a stud.
0: He, isn't he? With, with a torch? <laughs> with a, a Christ-like figure, because he's got a, a crown of thorns yeah. on there. Or a, no, it's not a crown of thorns, a holly a crown. But this is also the period when you get the the invention of the Christmas card, the Christmas carol, bo- <laughs> you know, books of Christmas carols are first printed. It's a time, I, I talked about, you know, the the sort of humanitarian side of it. It's a great time for... Charity, Mm -hmm. you know, for charitable raising during the Victorian period. Um, The Christmas tree, uh, of course, which is sort of very closely connected to Prince Albert. And we have a a very early description of Queen Victoria's Christmas when she was a princess. And she Mm. described, we've got her her early notebooks, uh, which you can get on archive.org for Mm -hmm. free. Brilliant. Um, And she describes, how you know, Christmas trees. There were two large round tables, on which were placed two trees hung with lights and sugar ornaments, all the presents being placed round the tree. I had one table for myself and the Conroy family had the other. And then she describes all the little presents that she's been given. Mama gave me a little lovely pink bag, which she'd worked with a little sachet, likewise done by her, a beautiful little opal brooch and earrings, um, books with some lovely prints, a satin pink dress, and a cloak lined with fur. And so she goes on. So you can even get to, you know, not just the the way in which Dickens is presenting Christmas. You can look at it from the perspective of traditions being being invented and you can get to the very heart of Queen Victoria's Christmas mm. through her early writings.
1: I wonder if she made any tree decorations out of rubbish.
0: I imagine they were all produced <laughs> for her. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. We're going to keep coming back to this, though. You yes. should invent your own tradition. I think that's the point here. Um, I've always been fascinated by... Traveling at Christmas. Okay, um, everyone hits the road. I'm going to China next Driving week. Driving home and for Christmas. I'm flying, home for Christmas. flying um, home for Christmas. I suppose I'll have to drive at some point. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to be travelling. And there's been a bit of a hoo-ha with the, the filming companies sort of, you know, say, oh, it's very difficult. You know, lots of people on the road. It's going to be very expensive. I've got to come back from Nanjing, which is some distance away. Um, but travelling is part of Christmas, I think. It's all to do with the going to see people. Um, but it's, all, it's, it's more intimately linked with that because you've got the wonderful Christmas stories about travelling. Yes. The, the, the whole voyaging thing the major, is, uh, yeah. is kind yep. of part of yep. it. And certainly the, the, the journey of the three wise men. Yeah, which has always interested me, and I'm particularly interested in the story of them following the star. Hmm. So I'm going to be talking about navigation. That would make a great TV show. Yes, it would do. I I, I want to do that. I want to do it. Yeah, recreate the voyage. Brilliant. The the, the Christmas road trip. So the, the interesting thing about this is that this star first appears. Now, they then identify it as being linked to a prophecy, and they also use the star for navigation. The star actually guides them to the baby Jesus. Um, except we think he might have been a toddler by the time right. they arrived because it took them <laughs> so damn long to find the manger underneath the star. Right, the principle is really interesting. Okay, So if I'm travelling from here to Bethlehem, yeah. if I phone up Joseph or Mary, <laughs> I don't know who's on the phone, right? and I say, right, I need to get from Exeter to Bethlehem, how do I do it? Um, best thing to do is you get them to look directly above them and name the star that is above them, okay? I will then know if I walk from Exeter to that star, I will, it will give me the direct, I know exactly where I've got to go. The problem with that is that the stars move in the sky, okay? So the stars move through the heavens like the sun and the moon. They they rise in the east and they set in the west. So within about five minutes of that phone call where I phoned up Joseph and he's told me which star is above his head, the star will have moved. Which means you can't use the stars for navigation. You can't set a course by those stars because the stars move. With a couple of exceptions. One is the North Star because the North Star changes and everything spins around the North Star because it's directly above the North Pole. Okay? So the point is, is you can't actually navigate using a star. So it's a lie. So what were they actually doing? There are various... What were they doing? Well, I think they were following a planet. Huh. So planets move, but they do much, much, much more slowly than stars. And so for significant periods of time, months, you know, a planet will appear in the sky and it will not apparently move. It will move not very much. And the other thing is that planets, because of the, the orbit of planets, they can move both east and west, mm. and they can change. They can go all the way to the west, stop, and then start moving east again, which is a really weird thing to happen. Also, planets, when they are just above the horizon, are beautifully visible. Now, we know that their star was visible in the east. Okay, so the sun comes up, the sky lights up before you see the sun itself, mm. and in that split second, you can usually see a planet... If it's there, very bright, but then what happens is the sun comes up and the planet is then invisible because of the brightness of the sun. So you have a very interesting moment of the day where this a unusual celestial object is visible in the east. Mm. Mm. So I think it was a planet that they were using, which is interesting because it is it's one of the kind of the few times of actually we've got written down from the past how people navigated by the stars and what they were doing what is odd about the story is that they say, they then say that once they follow the star the star moves in front of them which is another reason why i think it was a planet because if if they are taking months to actually travel somewhere then it is it does become logical for that planet to move the point is because the planet stays in the sky you mm. can set a course by a planet mm. not a star so mm. they would have been able to head towards that planet if that's what they were doing which raises a very important question of other forms of navigation in the bible
0: we should do we Which should brings a me on to on ravens and doves. Okay. We should do,
1: yeah. Okay. Noah. Noah. Noah's the best example. Okay. Um so, so this was how you were gonna to get to ravens. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So um <laughs> a here's here. me running this sort of traditional <laughs> Christmas line through this. It's Dickens, it's mince pies, and we go nuclear testing and ravens. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Rain. So so that the flood, Noah's Noah's yeah. having a bit
1: of trouble. He's a bit worried. He he needs to find land. And what does he do? He releases doves. Yes. After he's released a raven, the raven didn't do very well. So his his plan B... Really do we know what happened to the raven? It, it flew around a bit and then came back. So the principle is, uh, everyone, that you take a bird with you that doesn't like water. Okay? Um, and then you release said bird that doesn't like water, and it will fly up hundreds of feet, and it will have a look around. And if it sees land, it will fly off there as quickly as it can. <laughs> and that gives you a sense of direction. But if it can't fi- see land, it will land on your ship again because right. that's safe right. and it won't land on the water. So ravens are very good for this and doves are also very good. So you need two birds. Well, no. I mean, I, the, the fact that he has two is really interesting. Um, well, he has more than two. He sends out three doves. But the fact that he uses ravens and then changes his plan... And uses doves because of the poor performance of the ravens. Interesting. Mm. Because Vikings used ravens. Mm. We know that Iceland was discovered by Vikings using a raven. um, Because ravens hate water. I didn't know that, no. Oh, okay. Ravens hate water and doves also hate water. So that's the other example of the history of navigation. taught to us in the Bible. Very
0: good. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to talk about... the. The theft of Christmas. Yes, let's do that. Like the 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 connecting to back to another of my Christmas reads, mm-hmm. uh, the Grinch how the Grinch stole Christmas, mm. and it's about Puritans and Oliver Cromwell and the banning of Christmas in the um the sixteen forties. Who banned Christmas? Um, leading to riot Parliament. Really, Parliament. Yes, Parliament. So- parliament. I know. I know. So we have a we have here um, in sixteen forty four the Long Parliament forbade. The celebration of Christmas as a feast day. <laughs> wow! Imagine what would happen nowadays. Well, and what happened then in okay. Canterbury in sixteen forty seven? They rioted. Oh, good stuff. <laughs> and we know about this because there is a pamphlet uh, that describes said riot—the Christmas riot—the the Christmas, Christmas riot. I mean, riot. people went nuts about it because I mean, the th- the problem was that that um, at first in in sixteen forty four the Westminster Assembly spotted that Christmas would coincide with one of Parliament's regular feast days. So they issued a a message saying that they were going to ban uh, the celebration of Christmas a message was brought from the assembly by Dr. Birchess and humbly to present to their lordship's consideration that Wednesday next Christmas day being appointed for the keeping of the fast by both houses they finding in the city of London some people inclined not to keep that day so solemnly as it should be, and they fearing some inconveniences may ensue thereupon, therefore they Humbly offer to the wisdom of this house whether it will not be needful that a declaration be drawn up and agreed by both houses that it may be published the next Lord's day in the churches within the line of communication that that day must be kept as it ought to be. Mm. This is from the Lords Journal, nineteenth um, December, sixteen forty-four. Christmas was banned. Was that Cromwell's idea? This is well. I mean, it's it's coming out of the long, long Parliament discussions. Yeah. It's part of a, a Puritan. I, I suppose a Puritan dislike of ritual, you know, this is something that's incredibly yeah. popish. yeah, you know the um the church under Charles the First had sort of been been encouraging the ritual and celebration of Christmas. Charles the First had ordered the gentry to go home to their estates over Christmas and to keep up those 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 sort of traditions. So what we've got here is the pamphlet. About the riot, <laughs> brilliant. In sixteen forty-seven, a Canterbury Christmas, or a true relation of the insurrection in Canterbury on Christmas Day last, with the great hurt that befell diverse persons. Really, they were very violent. Yeah. They didn't they they stand were, around oh, singing carols. Oh, oh no, 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 no! They li- they were literally <laughs> you know fighting. this is like this is a total total carnage. Um... I mean, basically what happened was they banned the opening. They they banned Christmas and they suggested that there should be a a market. So the shops were going to be kept open. And this poor guy, um, uh, one white who's a barber, he decides to keep his shop open. And everything, there's a little bit of sort of riot, you know, casual rioting in the morning. And then everything sort of settles down until in the afternoon... You know this this guy from Hackney, a Hackney man, one a man named Joyce, goes to um, to White, and the fellow asked what the matter was, and withal called him a roundhead. Whereat White, being moved, cocked his pistol and would have shot him, but the major, with him, to hold. Nevertheless, he shot, and the fellow fell down, but was not dead. Whence arose a sudden clamour that a man was murdered. Whereupon the people came forth with clubs, and so it kicks off, and you have a, a riot that is eventually put down. But nothing says Christmas like rioting. People, people like their, people like their Christmas traditions. They do, they do, and I think probably a few high streets around the
1: uh, around yes. the country will be full of a bit of rioting. Yes, <laughs> very. Um, I think we should call it a day there. I've actually got so much more I, I, I could so talk about. I, we, I think so we should more. save
0: it for next year. We haven't done the Christmas pudding and Empire. No, that's true. The fruits mm. of Empire. We haven't done pantomime and cross dress. Christmas is all about cross-dressing mm. and pantomime. I think we'll have to do that next year. We'll save that for next year. Fabulous! Thank you very much for listening. Uh, but one thing oh, that no. we have to do, <laughs> one thing that we have to do, a tradition. Yes, the okay. day bell has uh, been making a Christmas cake. Yeah. Do you think we have time for you to yes, of course, brandy up my my Christmas cake? So I made this. He's got a skewer about um, three weeks ago. A bottle of brandy and a tin, a Christmas tin, and, and inside it is my is my this year's Christmas cake this is a tradition you talked about tradition and ritual this is a tradition in the Daybell household I have made a Christmas cake for the last 20 odd years uh, d- d- according Smith's to a, a traditional Delia recipe Delia Smith's recipe mm. is wonderful um, but the thing is you need to make it plenty of time in advance wrap it up and then basically um, feed it regularly with Brandy, feed, it. feed I, it, and that's what I'm going to do you're now. You're going to be, you're going to be feeding it. It smells amazing. Can I not feed myself with it? We, I, you can come right I will invite you round <laughs> uh, over the Christmas period because the, the the really weird thing is I make this every year, and nobody in my house other than me likes Christmas cake. Do you, do you like marzipan? I don't like marzipan. I don't. I so don't, you don't put it I on. I don't it? dress the. I don't dress the cake, but it's here in. We always had a Christmas in cake in our paper. house, and no
1: one ever ate it. Same
0: same thing. It's really good with Stilton. Really?
1: Stilton and port.
0: Do you know what I'd like instead of a Christmas cake? I'd Look like a that. Christmas
1: blackberry and apple pie. Oh,
0: there we go. A new tradition. So, I've skewer, got a skewer. Skewer. What do I do with this? Not so that you puncture my chair. Put, 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 put it through, but not so that you Just puncture once. my chair. No, no, all over. So like this, oh man, you need so to dense. push it, push it like that. Yeah, well this, it's quite dry, yeah. so we need to feed it with brandy. So okay. I have-
1: I'm perforating the tree. There's Waitrose
0: three-year-old French brandy, <laughs> soft and mellow. Um, and I've
1: now made about 20 holes. Yeah, that's in this perfect,
0: thing. perfect. Okay, so now what I'm gonna do is give you a cap- Can I have that? Full of brandy. Yeah, on. go on, try it. Oh. There we go, so what? there's a cap full of brandy, so just pour it. Around here, feeding the cake. Feeding the cake. And how many times
1: do you have to do that? I
0: tend to feed it weekly. <laughs> really? Yeah. So it's absolutely it's it 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 really matures over that time. That it does. I mean, you can. Yeah. Oh, I love things like this. Slow. Look at that. we have That's another? Should we have another slowly. capful? Yeah, absolutely. Because it hasn't had it for. This is the first time, and I made it several weeks ago. So, there we go. Another capful. There we are. You, you've added down. to the Daybell Christmas tradition. It's seeping here. down through the holes. Look at that! Excellent. Love that. There, there we go. That now kind of I just need to wrap it all up. Well, as we wrap this cake up, uh, we should probably say goodbye and wish our listeners a very merry Christmas. Happy Christmas, everyone. Bye. Wherever you are. Bye.